This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station, 105.5 FM, WNSP, and on the Sound of Mobile app. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim, Lee Shervanian, and Michael Brauner. The opening kickoff. 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 Here are Mark, Lee, and Michael. All right, here we are on another week of the opening kickoff. It's our Monday morning quarterback, Mark I'm Lee Shrevenian. We're on location here at Baumhauer's Victory Grill at the Shops of Bel Air, where, I don't know, in about 90 minutes or so, you can come on and enjoy some complimentary coffee and beignets and talk about all that went wrong or right with your team over the weekend. It's Sports Radio 105.5 FM, WNSP and WNSP.com. Good morning, Mr. Shervanian. Good morning, Mr. Heim. I will uh, start out and, let's say, glance over headlines. Then we'll get, of course, to college football. There's so much to talk about. In the NFL, three quarterbacks debuted with new teams. All three won. Derek Carter with the Saints. Mm-hmm. Come on. Derek Carter with the I, Saints. I, it's, I, I can't handle the stress, but we'll get to that in a minute. We'll get to that. But, yes, congratulations to the Saints for not losing. I felt like they didn't lose. I'm not sure they won, but they didn't lose. But yet you look at the two other quarterbacks, again, involved in stressful games. Baker Mayfield with Tampa. Yeah. They eked out a win over Minnesota. And Jimmy Garoppolo eking out a win. So all three of those quarterbacks were in stressful games. Now, we had three rookies start at quarterback, all lost. Bryce Young with Carolina. Uh, Anthony Richardson with the Colts, and then uh, C.J. Stroud with Houston. So all three of those uh, freshmen or rookie quarterbacks lost. I, I think one of the big stories yesterday was, you know, with all the stuff you hear about the complaints about Tua Tonga Viola, what a game he had yesterday, 466 yards through the air. They won. They, they uh, survived the chart. You talk about a stressful game, Mark. They take the lead, 36-34, right, last minute or so, which is not, you know, that's a lot, long time in the NFL. And then the guy misses the extra point. So at the very least, you're thinking, well, the Chargers might go down and tie it. But now they can get down the field and kick a field goal and actually win it. But anyway, uh, two his team wins, and Tyree Kill had an unbelievable game. He had like 11 catches for over 200 yards. All right, let's move on. Braves become the first major league team to clinch a playoff berth. No shocker there. Uh, and tennis, Novak Djokovic uh, was the winner at the U.S. Open. And in doing so, it's his 24th Grand Slam. That ties him with uh, Margaret Court for the most Grand Slams ever by any, any tennis player, male or female. I saw a story uh, during the, what happened yesterday. I was kind of surprised at this. The USA FIBA basketball team, coached by Steve Kerr, for the bronze medal, got beat by Canada in overtime, 127 to 118. So not only do they not vie for the gold, they don't win any medals Germany actually wound up winning. Now, to the polls. Texas in the AP moved up from 11 to 4. Alabama slips to number 10. Everything that we were concerned about coming into the season when it came to Alabama reared its ugly head on Saturday. Could Milrow uh, stay in the pocket, perform, make the throws, make the right reads? Could Alabama clean up the pre-snap penalties? Uh, could, as 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 Nick said, could could Nick Saban said, could they play with emotion but not get emotional? Like everything that was a concern for Alabama, wound up playing out in that game against Texas. Texas is very good. Don't get me wrong, but 
you have to start questioning whether or not this coaching staff can get these guys to do the right things. And I'm talking about pre-snap penalties. I'm talking about the the penalties again. I'm talking about how bad right now are the other quarterbacks that Milrow couldn't make some of the throws or make the reads and sit in that pocket uh, and make the plays when it mattered the most. He's an interesting quarterback, Mark, from this standpoint. Uh, I look at Ewers, the quarterback for Texas, for Texas, very smooth, very consistent game, not rattled. Uh, and, and, and I thought it was pointed out by, I guess, Herb Street. Again, I, I was listening to some of the stuff he had to say about the quarterbacks. And basically the difference, Ewers, smooth, consistent, uh, cool, calm, collected, Whereas Jalen was a herky-jerk type game, a rock, you know, kind of an up-and-down game. Broken plays winding up in touchdowns. Yet, he, they, they were saying that you know, he gets out of the pocket too soon. He doesn't wait for his progressions. And you know, I, I, thought, I was wondering, too, if they might make a change. But then I thought, probably not, because you wouldn't want to put a quarterback in a situation like that late in the game who has not been tested. I'm sure if he thought, see, we go back in history, and everybody remembers when uh, Jalen Hurts was replaced, but they knew what they had in Tua. Yeah. They knew it. I don't know if they feel comfortable with any of the other quarterbacks, but I give Texas a lot of credit. They come in there, and then after Alabama took the lead, how quickly it evaporated, Mark, with the two touchdowns in, what, about two minutes or yeah. something like that? So with Milrow, there were a couple things. and I, You couldn't see Burton open. In the very first one, when they ran that little option and he hit McClellan with that what I call a little jump shot, like he just kind of lobbed it over very early, right? So I'm like, oh, that's a great play. That's a great read. And we didn't see it because it wasn't in the camera. But the guy, uh, but, but Herb Street said he had Burton wide open downfield, and he just didn't see him, right? So he he. He doesn't. He clearly doesn't have a feel for making those reads yet. He got. He threw a pick because the defense baited him. Right, the guy uh, early on in the game. Um, you know, I think they they wound up. He had a great scramble for a first down. They got called for holding. Like it's it's all the same stuff that we've been talking about. Uh, he had uh, McClellan on a on a wheel route but didn't put enough air under it, remember? And just, like, you have to make those throws. If you're playing in a top 10, top 15 game on national television, you have to make that throw. You know, you, Mark, there's just no excuse. You have to make it. You're right. And everything you say is accurate. The offensive line was getting beat. Uh, the penalties mounted up. Uh, but if Texas had lost that game in Austin and around that area, they'd be talking about Worthy dropping a surefire touchdown sure. pass. They, they weren't perfect either no team is they made mistakes too but i thought i mean i thought one of the big differences was the way they protected yours and the fact that look let's go back to last year what if he played the whole game with the outcome now people are saying if he had played the whole game the outcome you can't know this for sure but the outcome would have been different alabama winning last year by a point if yours wasn't knocked out of that game he's pretty good yeah well i i feel like the frustrating part for alabama fans and you guys tell us is like you see the glimpses of brilliance right from 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 milro like you saw him hit burton on that long touchdown pass like 49 yards even even herb was like finally they they've gone vertical they found it like you can see it it's just not it's just not there yet it's like you wish he had 
<laughs> you know, an, a, a, a half a season last year to get more meaningful snaps. Like, he's on the verge. It's just it's not there. I agree with you. He could be on the verge. Uh, but let me ask you this, too. Not you so much, but why are they having so much trouble on snaps? Why, why yeah. is he always having to dig into the ground? And then then the, the, the bad snaps, those are the plays he winds up making the biggest plays on. How do you figure that? Yeah, well, I mean... Maybe they're telling the, the center to, to throw those bad snaps back there so, you know, Milrow can be Milrow. But, no, again, those are things those are things that shouldn't be happening, right? I put that in the category of, pre-snap, of the pre-snap penalties. What, what do you – like, what are we why, – why can't this team now one-plus year, right, one year plus, why do these things continue to plague this program? What is it – and – it's got to go back to coaching, you know. Though that's stuff that has to get cleaned up and hasn't been for a long time now. I consider Kevin Steele a friend of the station. He's been on before. And I know after their first game, people were raving how they cut down on the penalties and how he spent so much time during the offseason uh, knocking, at least trying to lessen the uh, defensive penalties. But on the other hand, too, what happened to that defensive backfield? My gosh. I mean, you had guys open. And was it because of the injuries the previous week, Mark? I mean, you know, Nick Saban, I mean, say what you want, but he also coaches the defensive backfield. And I saw him on the sideline uh, basically when, let's say, they came off after Texas struck quickly. He'd be talking to the defensive backs about your positioning, your footwork, and things like that because that uh, that also was a, a major issue. Yeah. All right, so, uh, and quickly I want to say, how many of you guys managed to stay up? Uh, for that Auburn game, like it, like going into the going into the weekend, I'm like, dude, I'm staying up. I want to see this game. It's gonna be awesome. So I was up at eight watching game day, and I'm like, this is awesome. So I'm watching game day. You know, I watched Ole Miss and Tulane. We watched. I watched Colorado. Got to the Saint. I mean, got to the Saint. Got to Alabama, and then, boy, I hit a wall. <laughs> I, I, I can only. I, I managed to stay up for most of it. I mean, I, I stayed up for all of it, but I didn't see all of it because I had to work. But oh my, what a I, long day. I. Uh, I'm going to quote some of your colleagues who covered that game, Mail.com, about the offense. I, I don't. I guess I don't remember. Was it a Matt? Who's that guy? Uh, Matt, whatever his last name is, Mail.com. He, he gave the uh, offense a D, and he said I really should have given it an F, using words like horrific, pathetic. These are his words. Now I, I saw the beginning of the game and the end of the game. Luckily, I slept through most of it, and I think the Auburn offense slept through it. Boy, you go out to the West Coast, and you win a game like that with four turnovers, everything that was going against you. The quarterback couldn't even throw for over 100 yards. The running game was, eh, you know, decent, I guess, at least at the end when they needed the first down. But that was one of the worst offensive showings I've ever heard or saw from Auburn, and yet they won the game. It's yeah. an incredible story because the Pac-12 going into that game was 17-0. and California jumped out. Auburn made a bunch of mistakes early in the game and somehow, some way, pulled it out 14-10. to Well, you know, we're going to have Dean Wade on with us tomorrow, but there are a number of issues. So, like, you know, Auburn, Cal should have had a touchdown that was called back. Yeah, on I, the, on I can't the... figure out why. Yeah. Was there an explanation why? I, I saw the fumble. I saw the guy pick it up and run it in. Well, I didn't get the explanation as to why. Yeah, they... we're going to talk to Dean about all that. But, yeah, I mean, we talk about we talk about 
game-defining plays. In a, in a game where I thought maybe there'd be a little bit more scoring than there was, how crucial of a play was that? Now, there were a bunch of plays and a bunch of games that could have gone either way, right? So we're going to get to all that with Dean. Let me tell you what's coming up today, though. All right, we're going to talk to Bob Baumhauer. We're at one of his locations here. We're in the shops of Bel Air. We're at uh, Victory Grill, where you guys should come join us here in about an hour and 15 minutes. So they're going to have some complimentary coffee and beignets. So come on in and... Uh, let's talk some football. Uh, Baker coach Steve Norman's going to join us at 6:30. They're on the roll. As is our high school game day, I might add. Uh, and then Ken Trahan will talk Saints at 7 o'clock. John Trey the Miller Light Golf Report at uh, 7:20. Kane Womack, the South Alabama football coach, at 7:30. Will Herring on Auburn at 8, and Tyler Watts at 8:30 on Alabama. We got a lot going on. Continue with your comments in the app at WNSP.com. Here comes your scoreboard traffic and weather, off and running on a Monday morning quarterback edition of the opening kickoff right here on the sports station WNSP. Hi, this is Cornelius Bennett, three-time All-American College Football Hall of Fame, and you're listening to WNSP. Six twenty-three. Welcome in here on a Monday morning quarterback edition of the opening kickoff. That's right. We're broadcasting from Bomb Howard's Victory Grill at the Shops of Bel Air, where the doors will open for you guys in about an hour. Come enjoy some complimentary coffee and beignets and talk some ball with the legend Lee Trevanian and uh, another legend Bob Baumhauer on the line with us right now. You know, Bob is like many uh, coaches. He never sits still. He's always got something going on. They opened up a new place at Troy. Bob, welcome to the show. Good morning, and thank you for allowing us to come out and broadcast at Victory Grill. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. <laughs> it's uh, it's good to talk with you guys. You know, it's, it's been a like. While. Uh, Yes, it has been, and uh, we're catching up with you. We're at Victory Grill where you've added some things to the menu. One in particular really makes me glad, and that's salmon. Yes, sir, and we knew you'd be happy about that. And um, it's um, It's been well-received, and it's a, a really, really good piece of fish, and we're serving that with uh, fresh broccoli and wild rice. And just makes a great dish um, and um, um, healthy. You know, good for you, but also it's a great dish. It's uh, got great flavor, and and um, we're excited about that. And then you also added a new steak dish. You want to talk about this Callaway steak? Yeah, well, that's that's in honor of, of Neil Callaway, a real good buddy of mine and great, great coach. And back in the day uh, when we had uh, – uh, this was a long time ago. We used to have a, a – couple steaks on the menu and Neil would come in and we were also serving crawfish entrefee at the time and Neil would come in this was up in Tuscaloosa and say hey do me a favor I, I want to I want to order a steak and I want you to top it with that crawfish entrefee well we don't do the crawfish entrefee but we do the shrimp entrefee so we brought in a really nice flat iron steak a real nice flavorful cut of of uh, beef and and we're topping it with that shrimp entrefee and and um, serving it Creole style. It's a really nice dish and um, again that's another another new item. It's a special, but um, folks seem to love it. Also, I understand you're working on a new menu for dolphins. 
We are, we are, and and uh, you know we have uh, um, chef chef Zucker's in a slightly different role. Our executive chef up at uh, at uh, Dolphins is uh, Chef Michael now, and and Libby is still our GM up there, and uh, Dale. We've got a guy named Dale Harvey working with us up there as well. We're all working together on a new menu. We've been working on it for a while. It's, we're about to roll it. We're excited about it, and it's going to have some nice new dishes on it. And, um, you know, you can't you can't find a better place to enjoy a nice meal than 424 feet up in the air at Dolphins, and um, we're excited about the, the new flavors that we're going to have on the menu. It's going to be a lot of fun. Bob, I can't thank you enough for joining us. We'll be in touch with you. Have a safe trip back to Mobile. Okay, buddy. Y'all be good. Good talking to you. You bet. All right. Tomorrow, Kids Eat Free at Bob Baumhauer's Victory Grill. Uh, Thursday is Ladies' Day and Happy Hour every day, 11 a.m. to 6 p. uh, during the week. So a lot going on here at Baumhauer's Restaurants in Mobile. Uh, Okay. So the big news uh, in college football off the field, this whole Mel Tucker thing at Michigan State, um, very bizarre story. So... Michigan State coming under fire, and rightfully so right now, B, because the only reason that he has been suspended at this point is because USA Today and ESPN both wrote the story and broke it. This has been an investigation since, I think, December. Uh, I might be off December or January, and he is, they have allowed him to coach under these allegations, under this cloud of allegations, and now that it's become public, they have suspended him. But make no mistake, after the whole Nasser thing and them turning over a new leaf, Michigan State doing uh, Michigan State things here. We'll get into the nuts and bolts of the case a little bit later in the show. Mark, the case actually goes back to 2022. And the accuser was a, uh, a female who spoke to Michigan State about sexual harassment. And what she is accusing Tucker of is, is, is sexual harassment on the telephone. And Tucker's comment that I read was that it was consensual on the telephone. Yeah, he's not denying any of it. No, he's not. He's not denying it. He is suspended indefinitely. And as you remember, just, what, about two years ago, he signed this huge contract to yeah. coach Michigan State. Yeah. We're going to talk some uh, Baker Hornets next with football coach Steve Norman. Uh, you continue with your comments in the app at WNSP.com. It's the opening kickoff, Monday morning quarterback style, right here from Baumhauer's Victory Grill. Welcome back in. Our Monday morning quarterback edition of the opening kickoff continues. Mark and Lee, we're at Baumhauer's Victory Grill at the Shop to Bel Air, where you can come on by and see us in about an hour. They'll do some complimentary coffee and beignets for you. Hope you enjoyed the only Saints touchdown there. They survived <laughs> five field There were eight field goals yeah. in the game. But I got to tell you something. Late in the game, you were watching, right? I watched some what of What was yeah. it like? Third and whatever it was, the Saints were trying to hang on to the football and not give it back to uh, the Titans. And Derek Carr made that throw to, was it uh, Rashid? 
yeah. uh, to keep the drive alive. That was a gutty play. I'm telling you, you don't usually see that. Usually teams just try to drive the football and run the football, run the clock down. But that was a gutsy play, and uh, obviously the Saints prevail, and uh, they're off to a 1-0 start. All right, uh, a team that's off to even a better start than that is Baker High School. We were out there for the first weekend. They haven't lost since. Steve Norman is the head coach, and Brian Fang, player of the week, is Josh Flowers, the quarterback for Baker, and the way he's going, he can win it just about every week. Steve, good morning. How are you today? Hey, good morning, guys. How are y'all doing? All right, so Flowers posting big-time numbers again, uh, video-type uh, numbers. What did he do on Friday to help your team win? <laughs> he did a lot. I mean, he, uh, he accounted what, for four touchdowns, ran for two, three for two, um, 200, over 200 yards passing, I think 180 yards rushing. So just a phenomenal night for him. He's such a good player. You know, he's been our, you know, he's been the guy we've leaned on and, and carried this team ever since he's been starting since he was a sophomore. Well, Michael Holland will be calling you and coming out to give uh, Josh Plack and I and, and talk to you about that win. 66 yeah. points. That's a record at Baker. Is it a record? I think so. Yeah, that's. I think that's what they told me. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, it, you know, and the, and the score really. It, it's not like it was uh, very vindictive of the way. It wasn't like it was a blowout. I mean, Davidson did a great job of trying to. Uh, you know, it was 38. I think seven. Or 31 to seven, maybe at halftime or whatever, and then, you know, it's the night they played really hard all night. They got back in the game, and you know, the final score was I think 66 24. We were just fortunate to have a couple of touchdowns here and there on one special teams, a couple of two on special teams actually. So, um, yeah, but that's you know that's that's a great night, and, and it was a it was a situation where we didn't turn the ball over. I think it's huge, a huge factor for us. And uh, again, when our special teams does such a good job, and that's something we've really been trying to concentrate on and, and kind of fix. Uh, going into this game, that's really a, a good thing for us. Steve, I'm curious to get your coaching perspective on this. So what's more impressive, the fact that Baker now 3-0 and on the season or the fact that uh, WNSP's high school game day is actually 5-0 and on the season? <laughs> See, that's what's the most impressive aspect of all of this is y'all. Y'all are definitely the magic the magic <laughs> wand that comes and um, sweeps us way over the game field, man. You yeah, and Lee have got that magic in those tires, so... Yeah, whenever y'all yeah. show up, it's always a good night. Yeah, and now you know that we've mentioned that on air. We're going to drop the next five, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe for y'all. Yeah, that's, not, that's what usually works, yeah. yeah. Mark just put the added pressure to Spanish for it. We'll be there this Friday. And they're oh, God, yeah, a little pressure, a little pressure. Steve, uh, okay, a couple of other things. Number one, uh, and we talked to you about this when we were out there, uh, Flowers, how much better is he – this year than last year is, is it his throwing his technique he has better personnel to work with or just what yeah i think it's a little combination of all of them i think he's really worked his tail off to get to this point where his ability on the field not only to play physically and let his legs you know help us but also his ability to read the defenses and do the things he should do as a quarterback but also his targets and what's around him are better i mean one thing I've been very proud of, I told my guys yesterday, is the fact that our offensive line, which we were very worried about going into the season, did a tremendous job all three games we played in to allow him to have time to throw, have time to execute. And, and that's a big factor, you know. Everybody, everybody, you know, having a great quarterback is, is a great asset to any program, any team, at any level. I don't care where you're at. And, and the thing about it is with a guy like that, 
Um, you got to have the players around him. And if he has great receivers and his offensive line's playing great and our running back's doing a great job. So that's one of the reasons why we're able to do what we're doing right, right now offensively. And that's, that's, a, that's a big factor. All right, let me ask you this. According to the story I read, there was an incident after the game. I think they used the term yeah. brawl or whatever. If you could explain what yeah. happened, and, and is this going to affect your team going into the Foley game? Well, you never know. I mean, a lot of a lot of times, it was, I wouldn't consider it a brawl. I mean, I've been in a few brawls, and that really wasn't much of a brawl. Uh, there was a lot of pushing and shoving, and, and, and the situation like that is you get in a game like that where the, the score is lopsided to a degree. Um, and then tensions kind of flare after that. So um, I don't know yet. We're waiting to see. We're waiting to see. I haven't. We haven't even hadn't even you know got to that point yet. You know, I'm still you know just washing jocks, getting ready for the day. So if um, it's it's a matter of what you know what they think and their interpretation of what happened is. So you have Foley. When we were out there, we talked to Eric. Uh, one of the coaches on your staff, whose brother Derek's the head coach yeah. of Foley. How much do you lean on right. Eric to help you in this game? Uh, I lean on Eric every day, regardless. He's my DC, and you know, and and I can't say enough about them. I mean, they held Butler, I think, to one touchdown up until halftime, and he is a tremendous athlete. God, he's a great running back, and. Um, Every game we've been in so far, again, it's been because of our defense and what Coach Scott's doing uh, defensively. But the thing about it is, even though they're very close and they're very tight, and I think they talk almost every day up to this week, uh, they don't talk to each other. I mean, that's it. So they won't they won't even pick up the phone and shoot me each other a text during this week. But you know, our brother is a brother knows another brother very well, and those guys are about as close as you can get. So. Um, but I lean on Eric every single day, not just for, for, for defense, but also just because he's an experienced season coach. He's Steve Norman. He is Baker's jock washer, and apparently he coaches a little football from time to time. By the way, Lee told me that uh, he threw his extra-large jock strap on the, on, the, on the pile. Light starch on that, please. <laughs> I'll get the yes. I'll get. I'll make sure it's got the old LS in the name tag, and I'll put that one on the uh, on, in, in the other in the other spot on the stack. Yeah. Hey, man, we, we appreciate the that one and, and get him ready for Monday. That's what you need to do every Monday morning. Get that old jock, rub your little Bengay in there and get him going. Oh, this dude's going alpha beta uh, for Revenge of the Nerds, 1980s style. I like it. <laughs> uh, if I don't make it out this year, I'll yeah, I'm old, man. I'm old. broadcast, Steve. I'll pick it up. Hey, man, thank you. You be uh, Have a great week. We appreciate the time. All right, guys. Thanks. Better. Thanks to Michael Holland and Brian Banks, Player of the Week, Josh Flowers, quarterback Baker. As we talked about, we'll be out at Spanish Fort for the Dr. Christopher Mullinex Mobile Oral and Facial Surgery Game Day coming up this Friday. They take on Sarah Lynn. Uh, Dr. Mullinex is located at 715 Downtown or Boulevard. I think most of you have heard me talk about him the last five or six years. I've had many, many dental implants, somewhere around seven or eight. I've actually lost track, but I can tell you in every case, very professional, very personable. I highly recommend him, but here's the good thing. You don't need a recommendation. If you want to make an appointment, give him a call at 471-3381. No surprise that Dr. Mullenix was recently named the 2023 Best Oral Surgeon in Mobile. All right, so um, you guys can jump in. What we'll do is uh, we're going to get you qualified in our next segment for the uh, Alec Naiman catering party of up to uh, 20 or 18, me and Lee. It's very simple. We'll play another edition of Naming That, where uh, we'll play a random 
audio of something. If you can identify the said audio or be the first to do it, you'll be the latest to qualify for that. Uh, Ken Trahan will join us on the Saints at 7 o'clock. Kane Womack, the South Alabama coach, at 7.30. Will Herring on Auburn at 8. And Tyler Watts at 8.30. In the app, Bama was a complete team loss. Offensive line sucked. Defensive backfield sucked. Quarterback double suck sucked. Not a very good squad. Uh, I will continue to harp on what I said in our first segment because I know we have different listeners as we get through later in the morning. Everything that was perceived as a potential concern going into the season reared its ugly head on Saturday night, which was penalties, which was an issue last year, continues to be a factor. Jalen Milrow and the questions about can he stay in the pocket, not make mistakes, make the right reads, and go through his progressions was a huge problem, right? Um, those were the two biggest concerns we had. We knew the secondary was going to get tested because of injuries, but the truth of the matter is Sark threw up some pretty nasty stuff that had guys wide open in a lot of instances. Um, the penalties continue to plague this team, and it was a little different this time because now we're taking touchdowns away. Before, it was just pre-snap. Now it's pre-snap, and, man, you just scored a touchdown. Yeah, you see this little yellow hanky? I'm going to throw it out there, and we're going to take some back. Texas had its share of problems, too. But you cannot win big games in those hot, in those type of environments making the mistakes that Alabama made. I mean, Milro not only missed on some throws, he got baited. And the fact that Nick Saban actually contemplated putting somebody else in but didn't tells me that other options, and to your point about in the past in, in Hurts and Tua, tells me all you need to know about those backup guys right now. Yeah, and... and I think there was probably some people out there who were wondering why he didn't make a change. And I'm thinking, well, you're not going to throw somebody you don't have total confidence in into the second half of a game of that magnitude. Um, I'm, I'm sure they, they compete all during the week in practice. And, again, remember this. They're seeing these quarterbacks in practice all during the week and, of course, leading into the season. So if they don't make a change, you got to believe that they feel that Milrow is head and shoulders above anything they have right now. Now, whether that changes or not remains to be seen. They take on South Florida on the road, which is something that has really puzzled me, why they're going to take on a non-Power 5 team on the road in Tampa. But that's for another day. The other thing was, it's true, and, you know, you could pick apart that game easily. I mean, you could find fault with uh, very every aspect if you want to. But you mentioned about the defensive backs. You know, Kool-Aid. I mean, he's considered like one of the top defensive backs, but he was uh, he was involved in a lot of those plays that Texas made. Yeah, Xavier Worthy worked him pretty good yeah. on a couple of those for sure. Um, now there was one where I think he saved a touchdown. Uh, I think there were a couple of fourth down. There was a fourth down that Alabama converted. Like there were some good things for sure, um, but. When he got baited into the pick, when he missed the wide-open wheel route that would have been a touchdown, like, you have to make those plays. Uh, when when they ran that first option to the left where he kind of literally, like, threw a little jump shot over and hit McClellan, like, Burton was wide open down the field. He didn't see that. They still got the first down, but you missed a shot. Like, you'd like to have that one back, obviously, after seeing how the game kind of progressed. Up in, I mean, I, I felt pretty good about Alabama's chances up until pretty late in that game, though. But you pointed at that time where they scored a couple of touchdowns in like two minutes. Like all of a sudden it became a track meet. When Texas responded, that probably said more about Texas did, than it did yeah. than it said about Alabama. And look, he was Sark said 
he didn't pull any punches. He they weren't jabbing. They were throwing haymakers. He was incredibly aggressive. And if they had lost that game, I think a lot of the talk would be about how he was probably too aggressive. But he said it. He had been saying it all week. He said it the day of the game on game day. They weren't going to go in there and and just jab it. it they, he was going to throw some big ones, and he went in there and he landed some big ones. All right. Here's my take on Alabama right now. All right. As, as Nick Saban said, it's just midterm. They're still in the hunt for college football playoff, but obviously the chances, you know, grow a little slimmer. I don't, I'm not into this probability and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it, they pretty much have to win out and get to the SEC championship by beating everybody else on their schedule. Another loss could really derail them. Uh, it, it could. I mean, it is still even. I mean, you got to remember this wasn't quite like. Clemson losing to Duke. I mean, you beat a team that's ranked number 11, and right now they're ranked number four. So when the committee meets, and again, I'm I'm not an expert on this, but I would have to think they're going to look at this loss, even though it was at home, and even though it was a double-digit loss, which is so rare in the Nick Saban era. But it's not not quite as bad as losing, you know, to Duke. However, the you can't from here on in, Mark, they, you can't stumble. I mean, you can't. If, if you lose another game, you got two losses. If, if, even if you make it to the SEC title game, and then you might be pitted up against Georgia. So it, it doesn't leave you much leeway. Uh, it, it, you pretty much have to win out now and get to that SEC title game to have a chance to make it to the college football playoff. All right, a couple. Uh, D-line got zero pressure. DBs can't hold up forever. Uh, Milrow sucked, but the, the line didn't help. Let's talk some defensive flaws as well. Wide open receiver, zero pass rush. O-line is soft and undisciplined. Um, and then someone asked, Mark, is it possible these kids care less about winning the game knowing when they have NIL money in their pockets? The, the short answer to that is yes, yes, and hell yes. I think that's been an issue for programs across the country, uh, and I think it's been a big problem in Tuscaloosa. Not that they don't care about winning. It's that the priority of doing the little things, I think they lose the locker room. NIL has been a huge problem with people we've talked to off the air about getting guys to buy in especially when the guy next to you is making, you know, five figures, six figures or whatever and you're not. It's it's incredible it's made it's made the game incredibly difficult for coaches. So yes, is that the reason they lost? Probably not. Is it one of the many reasons why you can't get a team to buy in? Yes, absolutely. Uh, and we've heard it on a bunch of different levels from a bunch of different coaches too. All right, let's do this. Let's take a let's take a break. Let's get somebody qualified for the Alec Neiman catering party of up to 20 or 18, me and Lee. In hour number two, it's Ken Trahan on the Saints. And we'll also talk to South Alabama coach Kane Womack. So we got a lot going on here. It's our Monday morning quarterback edition of the opening kickoff. Mark and Lee, we're at Baumhauer's Victory Grill at the Shops of Bel Air. We're in about uh, 40 minutes or so. You can come on in. Uh, they'll do up some complimentary coffee and beignets. Talk some football with us and start the week off right. Stay with us right here on the Sports Station, WNSP and WNSP.com. This is Brad Nessler, and you're listening to WNSP 105.5 in Mobile. All 
right, 6.53, welcome back in the opening kickoff Monday morning quarterback style from Baumhauer's Victory Grill. Come on by and see us here at the Shops of Bel Air. The door's open in about a half hour, 40 minutes or so. Here, it's time. It's time to get you guys qualified for Alec Naiman's tailgating party of up to 20 or 18 me and Lee. Here's how it works. We're going to play a sounder. It's called Naming It. All you got to do is figure out what audio you're hearing, person, place, or thing. Be the first person to call Bronner, correctly identify it, and we will add you to the list of qualifiers. We will name a winner coming up here in the next, uh, is it this week or next week? This week. All right. So let it rip, Mr. Bronner. Give us a call. What? I don't even know. All right. Uh, Bronner, I, I tell you what, Bronner, play that one more time. All right. If you can figure out what that is, I got to be honest, because I'm not there. He didn't tell me, so I have no idea. If you know what that is, give him a call off the air, uh, and we will uh, we will announce the winner here. Uh, in a bit. I'm curious, uh, you've obviously had Alabama fans apping in, but has anybody from Auburn apped it in yet about that performance? I mean, you go on the road, and obviously California with home field advantage, you turn the ball over four times, three on fumbles, your quarterback has a nine completions and hardly, uh, I didn't even go over 100 yards, I don't think, passing, maybe if he did it was a few yards more. And then in the first half, you have eight possessions of which you score once, you turn the ball over, what, three times, and you punt four times, and you still win? Amazing. In the app, uh, and for you Barners out there throwing stones at Bama, Auburn looked like total garbage against a terrible Cal team. Good luck against the upcoming SEC schedule. Isn't Pimp Daddy Freeze an offensive guy? What was that disaster? Yeah, it did not. Uh, it did not go uh, well um, offensively. So, uh, I, th- I thought. I thought defensively. I thought they actually oh, played. They, they yeah. played really well. Samuel and Asante, especially with the 12 tackles. Okay, so I'm watching the game before I, s- I knew I was going to fall asleep, and it gets off to a bad start, returning kickoffs, and they're not getting anything done there. So I fell asleep, and they were trailing, and I woke up with about four minutes to go, and I was shocked that they were winning 14-10 to 10 in that game. I'm like, you've got to be kidding. So, And California, I don't know how bad a team. They, I mean, they had a really good first game. They beat North Texas on the road. I don't know what, how good they are or not good at all. But I do know this Pac-12 is making waves. These They had won 17 in a row. And Bo Nix had led Oregon to a win that night over Texas Tech. Very exciting game. And we haven't talked much about Colorado yet. Yeah, well, let me say this about Auburn, because we're going to talk to Will Heron coming up at 8, Tyler Watts at 8.30 on Alabama. I, I will say one thing I love about that Auburn offense is the tight end, uh, Fairweather. That dude, I, I I was at the point where I just kept I kept saying to the screen, just throw it up to him, man. Just let him go get it. He was, uh, he was fun to watch. He, he really was. He transfer from FIU. He came in with credentials and and i was kind of wondering too is he going to be a go-to receiver got great height i think he's like six six or something like that he made the uh, touchdown catch that put him ahead in the second half and i'm with you you have a weapon like that you've got to utilize him now the running game uh, hunter got back in there he's a few yards over 50 um it they didn't they I don't know. I don't, I don't watch enough of the game to know if the offensive line was opening holes. But I will say this: when they needed a first down late in the game to keep possession, 
to keep California away, they got the first down, and it, it, they, then they can run out the clock. They had to gain a few yards. They ran Alston, I think it was, and they got the yardage they needed. It's one of those games that I consider, you know, you got to be lucky as well as good. Ball bounces in strained ways. You give the ball up three fumbles, and yet you still win a game. Hugh Freeze has got to feel like a very lucky coach these days as he comes back to take on Sanford, which will be a win. So they'll be 3-0 and going into Texas A&M. Yep. Oh, Texas A&M, by the way. See, this is what I'm cheering for, people. Who I know we're all Alabama fans, uh, according to the app. Alabama fans deflecting. Auburn fans, uh, or you know, Alabama fans saying Auburn didn't play well. Auburn fans saying Alabama's deflecting. But I think we can all agree. We can all agree on the fact that we want to watch Texas A&M crash and burn. And so far, so good, people. All right. So how would you? Uh, we talked about the first week of the season. The SEC burned out. They crashed. They didn't do well in Alpha games. So what about this past weekend? All right, Alabama lost to Texas at home. Texas A&M on the road lost to Miami. Uh, Auburn beat California. And I'm only talking about matchup power schools. And I, and I guess Tulane's not a power school, but that was a really good win by Ole Miss. But it's a game they had to win because Tulane didn't even have their number one quarterback line. Well, look, we said that was going to be one of the games of the uh, of the week, and it really was. That score it got out of hand because Tulane had to had to. Um, I, I wound up staying with that game for a while. That game they had to they got a little desperate and had to get the ball in the air a little bit more. But yes, that game was close for most of the way. Tulane's defense played tough. I think they just got worn down. But you're right. If they have their starting quarterback, how different is that game? That is a dangerous team. Lane Kiffin knew it. Uh, so it was a quality win for for um, for Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss. All right. When we come back, we will talk some Saints. Ken Trahan will join us. Uh, John Ricchetti, Kane Womack, the South Alabama football coach, all in hour number two. Doors are getting ready to get opened over here at Baumhauer's Victory Grill around uh, 7.30 or so. So come on by and see us complimentary beignets and coffee. We're off and running. It's a Monday morning quarterback edition of the opening kickoff right here on the sports station WNSP. This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station, 105.5 FM, WNSP, and on the Sound of Mobile app. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim, Lee Shervanian, and Michael Brauner. The opening kickoff. Here are Mark, Lee, and Michael. 704, hour number two. Thanks for hanging with us, our... Monday morning quarterback edition of the opening kickoff from Baumhauer's Victory Grill at the Shops of Bel Air. Want to congratulate Justin for being our latest qualifier for the Naming It. That's right, Alec Naming's catering party of up to 20 or 18, me and Lee. Justin identified the clip, which was a microwave, Lee. I Maybe we just had a bag. I had no idea. So well done to Justin uh, on that, and we will continue to qualify throughout the week. A microwave? A microwave. I was hoping that wasn't our good friend Michael jumping off something after the oh, weekend. Oh, wow. That's what I was thinking, wow. but I didn't want to come out and no, say it. He's good. All right. He's good. Some headlines uh, with the latest AP poll. Alabama slips to 10. Texas moves up to number four, trailing Florida State, Michigan, and Georgia. Florida State and uh, Michigan uh, got some first-place votes, by the way, from those who vote. Uh, the big story these days off the field. Michigan State football coach uh, Mel Tucker suspended indefinitely. 
as the school investigates sexual harassment allegations. USA Today reporting that Brenda Tracy accuses Tucker of making sexual comments during a 2022 phone conversation. So this is just in the uh, beginning stages to see what's going to happen with that. Uh, in tennis, Novak Djokovic, Grand Slam championship number 24, ties him with Margaret Court, all-time record. Yesterday in the NFL, three quarterbacks debuting with new teams. One of them was Derek Carr, helped the Saints beat the Titans 16-15. to Kenny Trahan from Crescent City Sports joins us right now. Kenny, good morning. How are you today? Hey, doing fine, Lee. Thank you. What was your report card on Derek Carr? Yeah, certainly give him a B. You know, uh, look, he played well, other than one bad throw. And he did so despite the fact that he really didn't have a running game at all and didn't really have great protection. He got hit a lot, and I thought he showed tremendous poise. He stepped up in the pocket and made the throws we all know he can make, and he extended some plays, too, which I thought was important, able to, to get out of uh, harm's way and roll out, and in particular going to his right because they had trouble on the left side of their offensive line with Trevor Penning, who struggled against Arden Key. So I thought he played well. I mean, first time out, this is what you're looking for. You know, he made the one bad throw, and afterwards he just called it, you know, stupid on his part. That's all. But from the standpoint of overall, I thought he played well. Man, I'm not sure my heart can take these New Orleans Saints. It just felt like we start off the game. I'm like, all right, I'm finally going to see the starters get on the field, right? So they kick the ball off to the Saints, and it's a turnover on the very first play. And to make right. matters worse, Ken, it's not like we can just get to it. No, we have to go to the review. we got to sit there and deal with that part of the game. Um, this game had me on the edge of my seat for all the wrong reasons. But to their credit, they made the plays and converted when they had to, which was the uh, the light at the end of the tunnel there, I thought. Yeah, didn't, didn't score the points, but moved the football. And, you know, yeah. Derek Carr threw for 305 yards. And there was no garbage yardage in that. There were yards that the Saints absolutely needed at the right times and made the big plays when they had to and put the game away. I thought that was most impressive was the end of the game where they were able to take the ball and melt the clock out for – two minutes and 17 seconds and make some big conversions on that drive, driving more than 50 yards. I thought that was very important. Look, we all saw what they're capable of. Michael Thomas played well. Great to see yeah. him back. Chris Olave can be an elite player in this league. He's good. You know, Jawan Johnson wasn't that active, but we know what he's capable of. He's very good. You know, Taysom Hill, very limited yesterday in terms of his role, but we know what he's capable of. There's no Alvin Kamara yet. And, of course, Derek Carr, who stirs the, the drink now, and clearly they've improved themselves at that position, the most important position. But I thought maybe as important was the fact that their defense created the three turnovers. And, oh, by the way, the special teams blocked the punt, which was huge also. So they win the turnover battle. The secondary was exceptional. And I think those are things that are going to bode well down the road. And, and then last but not least, you know, their rookie kicker, Blake Groupie, now they had a yeah. tough decision to make there. They cut a veteran kicker who can kick, and Will Lutz, who did not have a good day in Denver yet yesterday but groupie nails three field goals including a 52 yarder and he kicks all touchbacks so at least for one week looks like they made the right move there kenny want to get your take on this i'm watching games this week and it's finally dawned on me i don't know what i would do if i was a coach maybe i'd think differently but more times than not and i think the percentages would back me up when kickoff returners decide to return, very rarely do yep. they get to the 25-yard line. More times than not, there'll be a penalty against this team. And, as we saw yesterday, a horrific fumble on the first play. Why do coaches not just tell, look, we're at the 25. What's wrong with starting from there? 
Yeah, I think the, the one occasion they tried to return it out of the end zone, Shahid got tackled at the 13-yard line, and, and we were saying the same thing. Now, the others, you know, the one he fumbled on was fielded in the field of play. So anything short of the goal line, they're going to obviously return it. So that's one thing, and I thought that that was being done perhaps intentionally by Tennessee to try to foster a return because of what you just said. I think in the NFL, with the kind of speed and the athletes that people have, in particular in all phases on special teams as well, that they can cover kicks and get people down before the 25-yard line. So, look, 25 is not a bad starting place. So, as a result, I agree with you. I think when the ball's kicked in the end zone, you just take the touchback, with the exception of later in a game, if you absolutely need a play to be made and you have a playmaker back there, you take a shot at it. So, I agree. Yeah, and again, and I thought, how many times does a kick returner go for a touchdown? I mean, the percentages yeah. are so low, and the percentages are, in most cases, I rarely see the kick off returner uh, get to the 25. But I will say this, the guy who fumbled the ball away, he uh, he came across with a pretty good game later on. You put that fumble away, he had a pretty good game, Shahid. Yeah, I was going to save him for last because, look, he redeemed himself. I mean, what a terrible way to start. First, you have a holding call on the opening kickoff. That's bad enough to put you back. And then, of course, the replay, which overturned it, gives the Titans three points. And, by the way, there are like five reviews in this game, which is really yeah. kind of ridiculous and slowed the game down. But that's the nature of the game today. Shahid, five catches, 89 yards and a touchdown. Ran the ball twice for 11 yards. Look, he's got tremendous speed and can take the top off a of defense. So, look, again, we've said it for the past six months. If Michael Thomas is healthy and can play at a good level, not an elite level like he used to be with playmakers like Olave, who's even better this year and a little bigger, and Shahid and Jawan Johnson and Alvin Kamara and Taysom Hill, they've got playmakers, and they now have an orchestrator. They've got a quarterback that understands what he's looking at, can make line calls, can make changes. He's seen it all, and he can make all the throws. And he's extremely well-received by his teammates, and his leadership skills are off the charts. We're not saying Derek Carr is great. He's not. Uh, when he's at his best, he's good. But they haven't had that since Drew Priest left. So uh, that's very important at that position. All right. Uh, one game does not make a season, but do you see the Saints making postseason this year? I do. I picked them to win their division, and I, think I picked them to win 10 games. Uh, Las Vegas has them favored at the start of the season to win 11 games, and yet they only had them in nine and a half wins in terms of you know, the, the estimation, the over-under. That's still a winning record, and that still should be good enough to win the division. You know, surprising win for Tampa Bay yesterday. All credit to them. Baker Mayfield played well. Atlanta played well in beating Carolina. Saints go to Carolina next week. So, look, the Saints have won five straight season openers. But then they got to back that up now. It's a franchise record, incidentally. Now they have to back it up. Here's one other pretty good stat, though, for the Saints at this point in time. The defense has not allowed more than 20 points in nine consecutive games dating back to last year. And I would suggest to you that if you do that on a consistent basis, you're going to win. They only scored 16 yesterday. That's unacceptable. You've got to score more than that. But when your defense is giving you a chance to win every week out and you eliminate penalties and you win the turnover battle, good things are going to happen. Hey, man, great stuff. We really appreciate you coming aboard. Tell folks how they can continue to follow your coverage of all things New Orleans Saints. Yeah, CrescentCitySports.com is the site, and we have – Stories up every day. And then, of course, in addition to that, you can follow me on Twitter at Ken Trahan, Ditto on Facebook. And hey, we're ready. We're underway. We're looking forward to it. And let's see if they can back this up and play better next week.
Thanks, Ken. Have a great week. We appreciate the time. Hi, guys. My pleasure. Thank By you. Way, I never thought you'd uh, come to the uh, shops of Bella Irma and see Zamboni. Out there, I was huh? about to say, if y'all didn't see, if y'all didn't hear that, that's <laughs> name per- it. it's, it's name fine. It. But we're sitting here, and the mall isn't exactly open yet. But what's crazy is we, we were like, what is that sound, right? And so it's literally, I guess, I get, it's a Zamboni. A Zamboni. I'm looking at it they're, like they're, 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 they're sweeping or waxing or whatever out there. And dude's just doing donuts over there, having a good old time. So kudos to them. All right, so let's do this. Let's do a scoreboard traffic and weather here. Uh, when we come back, we'll do our Millite Golf Report. Kane Womack is scheduled to join us at 730. Uh, we'll talk some South Alabama Jags. Uh, we'll talk some Auburn at 8 with Will Herring. And then 8.30, Tyler Watts. So we've got a lot going on. We encourage you to continue with your comments in the app at WNSP.com. It's our Monday morning quarterback edition of the opening kickoff. We're at Baumhauer's uh, Victory Grill, the Shops of Bel Air, right here on the sports station, WNSP and WNSP.com. And the coffee just came out, so come on by and see us. Quarterback edition of the opening kickoff continues from Bomb Hours Victory Grill at the Shops of Bel Air. Come on out and see us. The doors are open. Coffee is piping hot, and uh, beignets are available. Also, I did want to mention, too, that at Bomb Hours Victory Grill during the year, you can win a $100 Bomb Hours gift certificate in the NFL Pick'em Contest. Each week, a lucky fan who picks the most correct NFL games will receive a gift card, and the overall season winner will get a $500 Visa gift card. So you can visit bombhowers.com or scan the QR code on your table at your favorite location. Miller Light Golf Report, front and center. John Ricchetti is back with us. Johnny, would anything happen over the weekend in golf? Well, not, you know, not really, but the PGA Tour uh, is back in action this week in California for a chapter few uh Ryder Cup players will be in, uh, will be playing, and obviously Justin Thomas is the big name that he'll be in the field too. Apparently, he's been working real hard on his game as he was selected a Ryder Cup team this last week. But we'll keep an eye on that. So, looking forward to the PGA Tour back in action this week. The the DP World Tour, the European Tour. Vincent Norman, uh, another Swede, wins again, and the Irish. Irish Open this week. Rory McIlroy in the mix. Struggled on the back nine yesterday. She shot 74 to finish in 11th spot. Also, uh, Steve Flesch, great round yesterday. He wins on the Champions Tour. And Minley G wins on the LPGA Tour. So kind of quiet as far as the world of golf. As I mentioned, the PGA Tour will shut down. But it'll be back in action this week as uh, we get set for just a few weeks away from the Ryder Cup. We'll be on the air tonight at 6 o'clock, live from Felix's Fish Camp. We'll have the Hancock Bank Junior Golfer of the Month joining us tonight at 6 o'clock also. So it should be a good show, and uh, uh, looking forward to uh, talking some golf from Felix's Fish Camp. Johnny, thank you so much. Check in with you Friday. Have a great week. 
Have a great week. So, Mark, if you were voting on the AP poll, or basically even the coaches' poll, because I think they kept Alabama number 10, would you kept the tide in the top 10 or dropped them below? Uh, that's a good question. I'm not against where they are. Uh, I mean, I'm not outraged by it. Um, I'm trying to remember who the other ones are around uh, that spot. Well, of course, you got the top four, uh, Georgia, Michigan, Florida State, and now Texas in the AP poll. Um, I'm not surprised that Texas moved up to number four. I oh, I'm not surprised by that part. The coaches poll, uh, they moved Texas to number five. And, it, and again, it's early. There's got to be a lot of changes coming up. But uh, obviously it showed me that those who vote on the AP poll still consider, a, as well as the coaches poll. Now, I, I pay, pay a little more credence to the uh, AP, the writers and so forth, the broadcasters. They still feel Alabama's a, a team to be reckoned with, uh, keeping them in the top ten. Well, I, I don't know if it's more about Alabama than, than what's around them. I mean, is, is, is Tennessee, Utah, Oregon, uh, are those teams that, that, that you would put above Alabama at this point? Well, are they are they top ten worthy? Because after you get to that, then you're getting to about 14 where you know LSU's not top ten. Yeah, well, the Oregon win was impressive over Texas Tech. Anybody who saw that game, seesaw back and forth, and they pulled it out. Tennessee was very unimpressive in their win over Austin P. It took them a long time to get started. Who was the other team you mentioned? Uh, Utah. Utah. Yeah. They, you know, did you see what they did without rising a quarterback? They were down late in the game and came back at Baylor and scored twice. Yeah, so I'd say they deserve to be in the They've had two very impressive wins without their number one quarterback. So yeah. maybe move Utah to 10 and move maybe. Alabama to 11. I could see that. Okay, yeah. so, the, the, so is Notre Dame the ninth best team in the country? Because... Now you now you got to take that other group, but Penn State, Washington, Notre Dame group, which is like seven through nine, and then you can debate whether or not they need to be where they are. So, all things being equal, I mean, I'm I'm not like I said, I'm not angry, I'm not mad at it. Uh, I think Alabama's fortunate because I think if you look at the way they played, they certainly aren't top ten worthy. And um, when, when you look at Milrow missing open receivers or not making the right reads. The offensive line, you know, got beat like they stole something pretty much. Um, you know, there were defensive breakdowns. The penalties continue to plague this team. The penalty part I put on Nick Saban and that coaching and that coaching staff. There's you, you can't harp on it all last year. Harp on it here in, in, the, in the preseason and it still not be fixed and not blame the coaches. If this were any other coaching staff or any other team, we'd be talking about what a crummy coaching job that, that staff did because of, of those uh, penalties alone. And it's gotten worse because at least last year they were pre-snap penalties, right? This year we're taking touchdowns off the board. And you can't take touchdowns off the board and expect to win a top 15 matchup uh, and, and expect to win those games. So... Uh, they've got problems that they can't seem to fix. And playing Middle Tennessee, as formidable as you thought they were, as far as cupcakes go, masked all those problems. Say all you want about them. Do you see they almost beat Missouri? That's great, almost. You and I, yeah, well, you and I picked Missouri to win by the point spread. What was it, 23-19 to 19. Missouri. Yeah, uh, I can honestly tell you, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't think check. No, I, I don't didn't care. Think no. Well, I thought you cared about the SEC. I thought you wanted your SEC to do so well. No, well, no, that's that's, that's except for Texas. Yeah, except for Texas A&M. <laughs> Vanderbilt lost their first game to Wake Forest. I think we had that one uh, called right, but yeah. 
for whatever reason, and, and maybe it's the Petrino factor, I just cannot root for Texas A&M. I'm sorry. No, I, I think most most people – I actually saw with the going um, – people were posting the buyout for Jimbo after the game. Uh, I think it was right on – it was in the 80 – it was in the neighborhood of 80 million, I think. Um, but, no, I, it's, what I, it's what I said earlier today, guys. For all you people, for all you Auburn fans getting after Alabama fans today and all you Alabama fans saying that Auburn's win wasn't, uh, wasn't impressive at all and they were lucky to win, by the way – both statements could be true for the for the record. I think we can all agree that we will enjoy the fact that Texas A&M under Jimbo and Bobby Petrino lost. It's rare when I'll ever root. Let's Miami. find some common ground, people. It's rare for me to root for a Miami Hurricane team, but I was rooting for them and I watched that game and the way Texas A&M fell apart in the fourth quarter. All right, uh, boys and girls. Uh, the doors are open here at Baumhauer's Victory Grill, the shops of Bel Air. So come on by and see us. Have some uh, complimentary coffee and beignets. Talk some football. We come back. South Alabama coach Kane Womack is next right here on the Sports Station WNSP. of the opening kickoff at Baumhauer's Victory Grill at the Shop de Bel Air. Uh, come grab some coffee, some complimentary beignets, talk uh, with the legend, Lee Shervanian. Or, they or not. Or, or near not. legend, Mark Hunt. Near uh, well, I am near you, so yes. Yes, well, although I, I'm try, I try to distance myself think, from you every day. I think that, that term legend, you know, Bob and his spots, legendary food, yeah. legendary this and that. So it's a word that gets kicked around a lot Oop. here at Baumhauer's Restaurant. And by the way, uh, it's never too early to start booking holiday events here. If you're looking, you know, down the road, Thanksgiving, Christmas, parties, things like that, you might want to avail yourself of that. Well, if you're more like me and you're a day-to-day kind of guy, we got Monday night football. You have got the Inflation Bites wing special here, one pound of traditional award-winning wings with your choice of sauce served with curly fries and complimentary beverage for nine ninety-nine. man. How about that? Sounds great. All right, let's talk some more football with the head coach of the South Alabama Jags, Kane Womack. Joining us this morning, Kane, welcome to our opening kickoff here at Baumhauer's Victory Grill. How are you doing this morning? Doing well. Good to be on with you guys. Hey, it's great to have you on as many times as we can get you on. All right, uh, Saturday, southeast Louisiana started slow but came on strong. Can you give us kind of your take on how well the Jags played or didn't play? Yeah, I thought um, I thought certainly the uh, – the second half was was more uh, winning football and and what it's supposed to look like. Thought we came out of the gates, um, you know, looked like a team I thought played with a bit of a hangover from last week. Um, you know, we did some things that we needed to get corrected in week one. Uh, some things that were probably, um, you know, uncanny of us uh, and and uncharacteristic of us as a as a team, uh, particularly on defense. 
given up some big plays over top. And so thought we, we did a better job of staying on top of some routes, but it also made us a little bit hesitant in the passing game. And so we gave up some underneath things because we weren't, we weren't driving on the ball to the, to the level we're capable of. And so, um, and so I thought our guys adjusted well in the second half and really started attacking uh, on defense, both in the run and passing game. Um, you know, really defensively in the run game, we've been we've been pretty good for for two games now. We've got, I'm very pleased with our, our defensive line and linebacking core, um, and and run support. And uh, and then from an offensive standpoint, you know, we we got to do a better job uh, getting the ball back to our offense. You know, Southeast Louisiana was able to hold the ball for 20 minutes, and so we were only able to get four drives together. Scored on one of them, kind of shot ourselves in the foot, and two others. Um, but uh, but I thought we cleaned up some of the penalties as well, which was great to see um, from a at least from a, a, a pre-snap execution standpoint on offense, and certainly we're able to run the ball for you know 7.1 yards per carry, so that was great to great to uh, to see and great moving forward. Kane Womack is our guest here on WNSP. What do you attribute slow starts to? I know it's still early in the season. What and and, and, and how do you address that with a team moving forward? Well, you know, I think there's a there's a number of, of, of reasons, right, that go into into slow starts. Some of it is um, your execution, right? Some of it is, um, you know, not not being locked into your responsibility early in the game, right? Some of it's just getting yourself warmed up, and then a lot of it is, you know, you get to a point where. Um, you know, you're going against an opponent, you're trying to call plays and things that are a little bit feeling them out, you know, it's no different than a boxing match, right? You you know, you throw a couple jabs in there, you move your footwork and and kind of work around the the ring, right, to figure out how am I going to attack this person and and similar to an offense, right, in the defense. Uh, So sometimes you see that. Other times, right, people are coming right out of the gate trying to attack things. And and no no plan is wrong. It's just knowing exactly what you're going to do and then going and executing that plan. And so for us, I thought we had had a couple runs early um, that, uh, you know, we had a third down run uh, on the first drive of the game that we did not execute well enough and had to punt uh, off of a three and out. Um, part of that was we didn't hit on a on a play, a passing play that we wanted uh, and felt like was wide open and, and we just didn't get the ball there uh, the play before. So just some of those things, it's, it's amazing how quickly a drive can get going or can stall based off of, you know, your level of execution. And so I, I thought it took us a minute to get going there. So you'll address the media later today at your weekly uh, press conference. How did it look as far as, injuries or players that had to leave the game did you come out of this one pretty good well i i think i think we uh we did have a couple guys that you know got banged up in the game um i think we're optimistic um about most of them uh devin boyson i think will be questionable for this upcoming week uh at the wide receiver position um but uh but i i think we anticipate having everybody else back um you know uh, outside of him well, Boyson isn't, he's one of the leading receivers returning, and I know one of Carter Bradley's favorites. So, how does it, let's say, the rotation for receivers now? Who gets an opportunity? 
Yeah, well, certainly, um, you know, and I, I've kind of said this now for, gosh, six months, you know, through through spring ball and, and, and into fall camp, and certainly he's shown it the first couple games of the season, but Jamal Pritchett is operating at a high level right now. I would say I'd put him in the same category of Colin Lacey and Devin Boyson. Uh, certainly what he's been doing to this point would put him in that category. Um, and then you've got, you know, Javon Ivory, who is a three-year starter, uh, from transferring here from from uh, from Memphis, you know, has caught 100 balls in his career, and so he's been playing uh, some as our fourth receiver. We'll we'll, we'll probably play more uh, if Devin cannot go this week. Uh, and then you also got Jay Jawan Townsend kind of in the mix along with Anthony Eager. Uh, so uh, kind of excited to see what some what those guys do uh, with opportunities. Coach, do you like where your team is at right now? I mean, obviously, every coach would want to see, um, you know, it's never perfect. It's never going to be good enough. But are you you comfortable where where this team is, or do you have some concerns? No, I'm not comfortable with where we are right now. I I don't think we played particularly well in certain areas uh, in week one. I thought some of those things, um, we cleaned up certain things in in the first in the first half, uh, but then gave up a couple other things, particularly on defense in the first half against Southeastern Louisiana. Um, you know, I, I don't mean to say this is coach speak. I don't. I think any coach, right, that is that is not focused or is very comfortable with where their team is right now is yeah. probably not pushing to get their team better. Um, but but in reality, I mean, for us, I think there's some things that we need to get corrected, uh, particularly in some of our defensive passing game. Uh, pretty quickly here Um, and then also some things from an execution standpoint just continuing to work to be more consistent offensively no no red alarm no you know nothing to sound the alarm about part of these things are just things that everybody's dealing with at the beginning of the season is, is identifying your issues and then finding ways to get those issues fixed and and I think we're you know I think we're all uh in lockstep and, and taking care of some of these issues so you step up from southeastern uh, Louisiana to Oklahoma State. Kane, some comments about facing Mike Gundy's team. Yeah, I, I um, you know, obviously Mike Gundy is, you know, uh, been been coaching there for, gosh, I think what 19 years now, something like that. Um, you know, has had tremendous programs. I think in in that 18, 19 year uh, span, I think he's only had one losing season, and so certainly a uh, very good football program. Excited to go to Stillwater. I've never been there myself. Um, looking forward to getting on the road again and, and having our players um, go execute against a very good opponent. You know, I, I think I mentioned this before. You know, our schedule is very tough. It's a challenging schedule, and particularly on the front half of the season on the road. Um, but, you know, great teams want to have moments like this to go compete. They want to have opportunities. Um, and that's what competitors do. And so I'm, I, I'm really looking forward to kind of getting some of the things um, that, that we've put on tape um, uh, fixed, get some of those things fixed, and also build off of some of the things that we're doing well uh, going into week three. Kane, uh, one of my little uh, – not so much a pet peeve, but I just wanted to get your coaching philosophy – watching a number of kick returners over the weekend and not just this weekend but the difficulty in getting back to the 25 yard line and maybe losing the ball or getting a penalty what's your philosophy on 
returning kickoffs? Do you want your players to return it? Do you want them to bring it out to the 25 or just what? How does that work? Yeah, uh, good question. Um, I think, uh, you know, for me, there's there's a number of factors, right? What what are they doing in terms of their ball placement uh, as a kickoff unit? Are they moving the ball in a lot of multiple places? Do we know where the ball and the launch point is going to is going to take place, or, or rather, rather the landing point is going to take place? Um, what is the skill level, and how how challenging is their kickoff unit, both in scheme and talent? Um, and so that, that plays a factor in what you want to do as well to get it out to the 25. And then a lot of it is, is, is based off of that landmark. You know, we, there, there are times where we'll call a return out there, but we're calling a return saying, listen, if the ball goes outside the numbers, if the ball goes to the middle of the field and we have a boundary return on, meaning that we're, we're trying to get the return blocked up to where we can run down the sideline, well, if the ball's kicked in the middle of the field, you know, we're going to be cut off from our blocking scheme, so we, we're just going to go ahead and fair catch that right there. Um, if the ball's kicked opposite of where we thought it was going to go, are we going to just fair catch, or are we going to turn into a um, basically – uh, what we do is we just flip our our kickoff return unit and say, hey, we're now going to, uh, in the moment when the ball's in the air, you know, adjust uh, everybody's blocking scheme to kind of go the other way. So a lot of things that go into it, but ultimately there's there's got to be a feel of that kick returner to know, hey, this ball's in the air too long, and I don't feel good about getting back to the 25. And, you know, some of that just comes from experience. Kane, we can't thank you enough. i got to be honest, man. I feel like I failed you from a marketing standpoint. We should have thought about this uh, weeks ago. I did not realize you've never been to Stillwater, but I don't feel like you're getting the full experience now that Gundy's cut his mullet. But I feel like if we would have planned a little bit in advance, we could have had you grow yours out and been ready for this Saturday. You know what? And if you had just brought it up, I probably would have done it. But yeah. you know, shucks that you didn't. So I'm gonna I'm gonna keep a clean cut this week. <laughs> well, fear not. I will call Doc Erdman right after the show and make sure we re -up, we re up with him. Okay. <laughs> I appreciate that. Hey, Coach. Thank you so much for the time, man. Have a great week, and uh, we look forward to doing it again soon. Uh, you guys too, Jay's up and Elio. Uh, South Alabama coach. Kane Womack. Uh, you guys continue with your comments in the app. Let's do this. We're going to come back. George Spurlock's in the house. We got our, that's right, our WNSP team of the day is here, right here, and you can be too. Doors are open at Baumhauer's Victory Grill at the Shops of Bel Air. Come on by and see us. It's the Monday Morning Quarterback edition of the opening kickoff right here on the sports station, WNSP. Hi, this is Luis Gonzalez, former South Alabama Jaguar and Major League player. You're listening to WNSP Mobile. To Welcome back in as we wrap up our number two of our Monday morning quarterback edition of the opening kickoff from Baumhauer's Victory Grill right here at the Shops of Bel Air. And, of course, we want to thank our WNSP team of the day, Presley Roofing. And, man, you got to get out here because George Spurlock is out here. So we got coffee, we got beignets, and we have our WNSP team of the day. George, thanks for coming out. Yeah, good morning. Good to see you guys. All right, so we, we talk about roofs all the time, and the first thing that comes to most people's minds is, 
Man, they're expensive. Yeah, the roofs are not cheap, that's for sure. And uh, one of the things we want to help with that in is that we are a Alabama-approved contractor. What that means is you can actually, if you have a good relationship with Alabama Power, which means you pay your bill on a regular basis and on time, uh, we can bring out our laptop or our iPad, and we can you can fill out the application right there at your home. You can get approved on the spot, and you can actually finance your roof over the course of several years, uh, if, especially if you don't have ten or twelve thousand dollars ready to replace like your roof. Like Lee over here, exactly. Right. So what? And, and you know specifically uh, that that people and clients can go through this because you speak with every client personally. Yeah, that's that's just something we pride ourselves in. Samantha and I uh, just do our best to take care of our customers like they're our own family, and I think that's made a difference for us now in our 74th year yeah. as a company in Presley Roofing. Obviously, this is a busy time. Everybody's kind of watching the golf and watching the weather. Yeah. We talk about it a lot. There are some preventative measures people can take. It's not just simply, man, I hope that thing goes the other way. Right. And if it, if it does come this way, uh, I got roof damage. There are some things you can do to prevent. What, what are some of those things quickly? Well, one of the things we talked about before is keeping your roof clean, keeping debris off of it because that debris can cause it can erode the shingles and also with high winds it can move limbs if they've got limbs on your roof and you know they can penetrate the roof and cause you a lot of uh, a lot of problems uh, at the same time we can we can also come out and, and look at high risk issues that may be there for you and we try to front load those and take care of them before a potential storm comes. All right, how can people get more information if they have questions about preventative measures? Maybe they maybe they just want an estimate like what's the, how's the best way to get in touch with you and and uh, the fine folks at Presley Roofing? Oh, if you want the best service, you want to call the office, not me. Call Samantha <laughs> at 251-457-6598. Our website PresleyRoofingInc.com. All right, there he is, Presley Roofing, George Spurlock, WNSP's Team of the Day. We really do appreciate you coming out here to Baumhauer's and hanging out with us. Thanks, I appreciate it. All right, so we got some time. You guys can certainly jump in, 694-1055. Your take on Alabama, on Auburn, the Saints, you name it. That's uh, it's kind of it's kind of what we do here on a Monday, uh, overreaction Monday. You guys can jump in. What stood out to you most, Lee, in that Alabama-Texas game? Easily the penalties. I, I just conjured up, I wouldn't say memories, more like uh, nightmares of what happened last year. Because I was rooting for Alabama, obviously. Uh, and that also what stood out was the quarterbacking of viewers. We saw a glimpse of this last year, and then he had to leave the game with an injury. How composed he is, and his throws are so accurate. And, and basically, and again, I used this term earlier, he, they, they, they run a smooth offense, you know, whereas Alabama's is very herky-jerky. It's up, it's down. Uh, broken plays leading to touchdowns. I thought the Alabama running game would be a lot better. It started out, it really, started well, out really, really well. It started out really good. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it just faded. And I don't, you know, look, I'm not in the mind of Jalen Milrow. Is he... He, you know who he's starting to remind me of was Bo Nix. Remember when Bo Nix was quarterbacking Auburn and he just would just leave the pocket all the time and sprint out? And we wondered, is that because of the offensive line or he didn't have confidence in the offensive line? Or is this that the mentality just that, you know, you want to take off and run instead of following your progressions? But um, those are some of the things that stood out. I, I, like you, watched a lot of college football. You know, we talk about slow starts. 
Colorado getting off to a very slow start against Nebraska, but coming on like gangbusters in their win. Uh, Miami falling behind Texas A&M and then rallying in the fourth quarter and really decimated the Aggies in that fourth quarter as Van Dyke threw like five touchdown passes. So there were a lot of things that, you know, stood out and, and again, really enjoyed it. I, I like watching these games as Power 5 teams facing one another, although Ole Miss didn't face a Power 5 team. Certainly Tulane is a really, really good football team. All right, Michael Bronner, people are calling for you, sir. It was not uh, a great weekend for you. Please let the people know that you are good, everything is okay. Well, maybe not everything's okay, but you are healthy and you are uh, accounted for back at the studios of WNSP. Yeah, you know, I woke up today. The sun came up. I'm here. That's about it. What, what was uh, what was more devastating to you, the Patriots' outcome, the Alabama outcome, or the fact that Dion won? Oh, definitely Alabama. Uh, Patriots were pretty encouraging. It would have been nice to win. Uh, it was kind of a devastating ending. They really should have won at the end, but you know they they hung right with a team that was in the Super Bowl last year. The offense has a pulse. The defense is really good. It was an encouraging day for the Patriots. Would have been nice to win, but. Uh, there's some there's some stuff to like there moving forward for the Patriots uh, as for Alabama. Yikes. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, I, I, if I told you you were sounding good right now, I'd be lying. You, you sound like someone just ran over your dog and then threw it in reverse. But hang in there, buddy. It's just game. Uh, well, game one for the Patriots. Game two for your. Child. Yeah. I, you know, you Patriots get... wise, I'm I'm feeling okay. It is it is what it is. Did it was a. Uh, Disappointing ending, but chance? I'm pretty encouraged. Mac Jones looked did, really good, frankly. It's one of the best games of his career. Game? Did you get a chance to watch that? Because you're right, they fell behind really early. Yeah. And then put the pressure on Philadelphia. It wasn't a great throwing game for Jalen Hurts, but Mac Jones really, I thought, did very, very well late in that game. Uh, and then they had so many chances in the fourth quarter. What happened that they couldn't uh, come from behind? Yeah, the defense was really good. Gave a gave the offense a bunch of chances. Uh, ultimately, they just couldn't get the job done. Keishon Butte, LSU guy, couldn't keep his feet in at the end of the game on a big fourth down. And you know, it, it is what it is. Uh, All right, let me ask you this. Mark brought this up to me. What's your problem with Deion Sanders? I think that's the story of the year. What, what is your issue with Deion in Colorado? I, I think that's, that's a fabulous story brewing oh. out there. When's the last time we saw a team go 1-11 and and bounce back like this? Well, his son's pretty, pretty dang good at quarterback, isn't he? He's impressive. Again, what's your problem with Deion, though? I just don't care for him. I, I don't think I'm the only one who, who says that. Okay, uh, very good. Uh, you guys can jump in, well, and we and, and if you uh, if you'd like to lend a uh, uh, any you know a shoulder for uh, for Bronner at least, um, maybe maybe we can maybe we can do something for him later in the week. Make sure he's okay. I'm just happy he made it in today. Like he said, it was close. I ain't gonna lie, it was close. I had my doubts. Yeah, the sun is shining, and there's still another weekend of games to go. Yeah, hang in there, buddy. Mm. It, it, it's it's going to get better. Michael, let me ask you one more question before we leave you. <laughs> All right? Because you, you, you're tuned into Alabama, right? Don't you have a lot of sources up there? Oh, yeah, a ton. Why is Alabama playing South Florida on the road? I don't get it. I, I don't know. 
I mean, maybe they try a different quarterback this week. Who knows? Uh, Jalen Milrow oh. is not good. No, no, no. The, the, no, I'm wondering why are they booked to face a team like South Florida? Did I say South Carolina? I meant South Florida on the road. That's usually a game that's, uh, you know, Brian Denny. Why are they playing down in Tampa? I believe they play them at home next year, if I'm not mistaken. I can't remember. A lot of the times, games like that, uh, you get two home games and one road game out of it. I can't remember, though. All right, hang in there, bud. We appreciate you coming aboard and letting everybody know that you're okay, that you're you're accounted for, and he's making the most of his Monday. Uh, coming up, we are going to talk some Auburn. Uh, Will Herring's going to join us to kick things off, uh, and then Tyler Watts at 8:30 will talk some Alabama. Uh, you guys can get in in between all that at 694-1055. Everybody, come out and see us. We're here for another hour here at Baumhauer's Victory Grill. Uh, at the shops of Bel Air, where they'll have some coffee for you, as well as some uh, some some beignets. Just come on by and say hi, and uh, we appreciate seeing you as always. A reminder: if you missed any of our uh, show earlier, you can get us wherever you get your favorite podcast. Uh, go to w, uh, WNSP now. We're right there on Spotify, and you can listen to us to your heart's content. We had uh, Bob Baumhauer on earlier. Steve Norman from Baker, undefeated Baker, impressive at three and zero. I might add that the high school game day, the Dr. Christopher Mullinex High School game day, is currently standing atop the standings at 5-0. and That's right. Every place we've been, victory follows. You got Sarah Line coming there. to town against Spanish Fort this week. Look, don't rain on my parade, Bronner. Just because you're miserable doesn't mean everybody else has to be, too. I'm just um, <laughs> All right. Here we go. Hour number two's in the books. It's our uh, Monday morning quarterback edition of the opening kickoff right here on the sports station, WNSP and WNSP.com. Keep those uh, comments coming, uh, and we'll be back right after this. is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station, 105.5 FM, WNSP, and on the Sound of Mobile app. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim, Lee Shervanian, and Michael Brauner. The opening kickoff. 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 Here are Mark, Lee, and Michael. All right, welcome back in. 8.05, hour number three on a busy Monday morning quarterback edition of the opening kickoff from Baumhauer's Victory Grill at the Shops of Bel Air, where the doors are open for you. Come on by for complimentary beignets and coffee and talk some football with the one and only Lee Shervanian. We got uh, three quarterbacks who debuted with new teams yesterday and all three won. Derek Carr with the Saints. They won a one-pointer. So did the Raiders over Denver, now coached by Sean Payton. They had Jimmy Garoppolo. And the other quarterback who uh, made his debut, as uh, yesterday was the first big Sunday of NFL football, 
As I mentioned, we had uh, Carr. We also had Baker Mayfield starting for Tampa, replacing uh, Tom Brady. And they won their game, a three-pointer over Minnesota. We had three rookie quarterbacks start, and all three lost. Bryce Young with Carolina, Anthony Richardson with the Colts, and also C.J. Stroud with the Texans. In tennis, Novak Djokovic won his 24th Grand Slam major men's single. Ties him all-time high with Margaret Court. Uh, who won 24 on the women's side. And Mel Tucker has been suspended indefinitely on accusations of sexual harassment. Like many out there, I'm sure, I, I started to watch the Auburn game against California. I didn't make it through quarters two and three, but I woke up to see the fourth quarter, and I saw where Auburn walked off the field with a win over California, 14-10. to 10. Will Herring was the sideline reporter for this one. And it's probably apropos that he, re, he, you know, he alternates with Ronnie Brown. Ronnie more offense, Will more with the defense, that it was the defense that shined. Will, thank you for joining me. I really appreciate it. Good morning. How are you today? Good morning, Absolutely, Will. guys. Um, thank you all for having me on. As you mentioned, Will, yeah, go ahead. Can you guys hear me okay? I'm, I'm hearing like yeah, mixed signals. Y'all are... No, you're coming across real well. What? Uh, give us your definition of the game. And obviously, it was not the greatest offensive Auburn showing that I can uh, ever think of. Absolutely. You know, um, Coach Reese um, kind of hit the nail on the head just talking to his team after the game. Just he's like, guys, you know, we didn't play well. Um, we played sloppy on offense. We had a lot of unforced um, penalties. Um, you know, we they, we didn't establish the run game like we like we wanted to, um, and sometimes you know you're you're going to have to rely on your defense. Um, sometimes you have to rely on your offense, and this is one of those sloppy games um, offensively. But but our defense grew up a lot um, on Saturday night. Um, Eugene Asante, that he was playing like a man possessed. Um, this is a guy that's undersized. Um, transferred here from North Carolina a couple years ago and was a backup linebacker like two weeks ago and um, was in the rotation week one. Um, but, like, all, I mean, you just constantly heard all during training camp about how much energy he brings to the team, to the defense. Um, he's, he's a vocal leader. Um, even as a, a guy that's just working in the rotation, he, he's still he's a veteran. He's got that veteran presence. But to watch him go off the way he did, and to play, he was playing at a different speed. I mean, if you watch, go back and watch the game, the plays he made, um, the hits he made. I think he wound up with 12 tackles, a sack. Um, the defense just just never never blinked. Um, I was I was on the sidelines as you mentioned and. You can you can pick up a lot of times just on the body language of guys and and our defense like time and time again I think we had three or four turnovers throughout the game um, you know like I said never really established the run game so the defense was constantly called on to come in and step up you know backs against the wall um, deep in their own territory and we made them kick field goals and thankfully they missed a few field goals. Um, and I was very proud of our defensive efforts. It, it was uh, it was quite the night for the defense. You know, Will, those who covered the game or those who watched could use whatever word they want to say about the offense. They could criticize this and that. But how about California fans? <laughs> they must be shaking their head like, how did we lose this game? You mentioned the three missed field goals. I think there may have been a fourth that 
uh, was called back. I don't remember on a penalty or something. You you had four mm-hmm. turnovers. You get you're playing at home and you score only ten points after scoring what thirty six or so on the road the week before. So no matter what Auburn uh, fans are saying, you can imagine what California fans are thinking. Yeah, you know, it's like over the years, like we're used to watching Vanderbilt or South Carolina be in the game late and just find a way to lose it. I mean, you you, you do. You're like Tadcom if you're if you're one of those 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 programs. But at the same time, like uh, you can think of how many times have we watched, you know? And I know you guys, y'all, y'all are in Bama country, maybe down in Mobile. But like for us, all the Auburn family, we we watch Alabama find a way to just win it like it may look ugly they may be down and we're like yeah those guys you know but but it is what it is at the end of the day the score is what matters um and look let's be honest like we, we this is an unproven team like we're not uh we're not Auburn's not we're not claiming to be national contenders right now we've got a long ways to go but but I love like like I said just the the the, the, the will to win the will to not quit um you know this this offensive line unit. Uh, we brought in a lot of new faces. They they've done a tremendous job through spring, through training camp, and into week one. Um, they ran into an opponent the other day that, that did a good job of stymieing the run. And uh, I'm interested to see um, how they go back to the chalkboard and see what they what they got, um, what what adjustments they can make. Um, Coach Freeze and his offensive staff. Obviously, they got a lot of a lot of experience um, on the coaching side of the ball. So. They'll uh, they'll respond, and uh, we've got a, an opponent this week that we ought to be a, a much better team then, and we ought to be able to clean up. Um, and that's that's Sanford. We got them at home before going on the road again to A and M. All right, so Will, I got to ask you, man. So put on your shoulder pads and your helmets and run out there and play linebacker. And somehow, based on scheme and offensive strategy, you were lined up against Rivaldo Fairweather, and he's going out for a route, and you're caught in coverage. How you defending that dude? He is a matchup nightmare. I don't think he had yeah. one target week one. And this is a guy everybody you talk to around the program, I mean, he approaches the game like a pro. Um, he, he, he takes care of his body uh, when it comes to nutrition, when it comes to rest, when it comes to the cold tub. I mean, he is he comes, he, he approaches it like a true professional. And so week one, zero, um, uh, targets. Um, I, I I knew I knew that it was just a matter of time, and I was so happy for the guy. He never. I mean, he he's a he's a leader on the sidelines. I mean, his his. You watch him like watch him block. Like he's a tremendous receiver. But you learn a lot about a guy's character um, when you watch him fight his tail off, blocking these outside linebackers. Um, but he's a matchup nightmare. I mean, a, a linebackers cannot run with him. Safeties are too small to cover the guy. Uh, they got him matched up on number six, a corner, um, late in the game on the fade route, and he just went up. and And we're, we were on, we were in the he- I was in the headset off the air, but talking to Brad up in the booth, and we saw it. We said, "Here, here it comes, fade route." I mean, everybody in the stadium, maybe not everybody knew it was coming, but a lot of people knew it was coming. And and it was just one of those situations where we felt like our guy's better than your guy, and he went up and made the play. He's what six six. He had a great reputation coming in. I think he transferred from FIU. Wouldn't, wouldn't your quarterbacks be more inclined to to target him more often? 
Absolutely. I mean, that's and that's part of, you know, when you have a new quarterback, uh, a new tight end, um, a bunch of new O-line. I mean, look at all the, the, the turnover we had from last year this year. There's a big difference between bringing in a bunch of talent and having a great team and 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 them getting on the same page. You don't just snap your fingers and it happens. Um, you listen to Rivaldo talk, though. They're throwing every day after practice together. Um, he and, and Thorne. Um, along with other receivers. And, I mean, like I remember just being at my time down in New Orleans with, with Drew, uh, Drew Brees, and watching those receivers, what they did after practice, they might have gotten more reps after practice than during practice. And if Drew didn't connect, to, Jimmy Graham told me one time, he's like, Will, we could have the best play drawn up in practice, and we know it's going to be a touchdown. And if I drop it in practice, like, I'm going to run that route five to ten times, and I've got to catch it because if Drew sees me drop it, then he doesn't even look at me in the game. And so it just shows you, like, the the cohesiveness between a wide receiver and, uh, excuse me, a quarterback and their wide receivers or tight ends. It's just not that simple. It's not that simple as, hey, I got a really good, talented guy. Let me just launch the ball up in the air to him. No, it takes time, and, and these guys are working every day to improve. Will, before I let you go, a couple of quick items. Did you have a good time out in the uh, San Francisco area? We did. We got there on, on Thursday, um, grabbed some uh, a, a late team snack, and then and Friday was, was a good time. Ate some, ate some good breakfast a couple of days. Um, went out at dinner one night with the radio team and, and grabbed some, some Tex-Mex. Um, but it was a good time. When you stepped off the plane in that 55-degree dry air hits you you're like oh man i can breathe how about this so let me ask you this before i let you go when you're not reporting on the sideline for auburn football you're also helping people with mortgages around the state yes sir me and my mortgage team are here in auburn we work for a company cmg home loans and uh man just very thankful auburn um Auburn, Opelika area is an area that's growing. Um, I'd say half of our business is here local, and then the other half is just all over state of Alabama, Georgia, and Tennessee. So our team's licensed in those three states. Man, we can't thank you enough for joining us here on this Monday. We really do appreciate it, man, and uh, have a great week. We look forward to doing it again real soon. Yes, sir. Thank you, guys. War Eagle. There you go, Will Erring, ladies and gentlemen. All right, let's get you scoreboard traffic and weather. We'll have a chance for you guys to come on by uh, and see us here at Baumhauer's Victory Grill. they got a lot of great deals going on here, including the Alabama hot chicken from Bob's own personal recipe. you want to tackle Baumhauer's Alabama hot chicken, a fresh southern fried chicken breast smothered in a zesty and tangy immune-booting hot sauce with accents of garlic and ginger. Served up with a side of homemade smoked Gouda cheese grits. You can't go wrong. Come on and check out all the great deals here at Baumhauer's Victory Grill. Who comes to scoreboard traffic and weather? It's the opening kickoff right here on the sports station, WNSP. Hi, this is Juan Pierre, former South Alabama Jaguar, former MLB player, and you're listening to WNSP.
8.32. Welcome back in to Dr. Christopher Monarch's high school game day. That's right. We're out here at Viger High School. Mark, I'm Lee Shervanian and Air Sports One. We appreciate you making us part of your morning. So pleased now to be joined by Duke quarterback and Fairhope native Riley Leonard. And I really appreciate Riley getting back to me. I sent him a congratulatory note probably like about 700 other people did after uh, Duke's win over Clemson. Riley, good morning. How are you now? How you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. Thank you for having are, me again. I, are you the big man on campus now? No, I wouldn't say any of that. Uh, there's definitely a different vibe in the air around here, but, uh, you know, we're still working on some things around here. So what is the bigger story, your 44-yard run, which we've just heard, or your relationship with Professor Taylor? The, the the teacher and the homework. I mean, I've gotten more questions about that. I, I had no idea that I was going to blow up. That was a little small interview I did on the side after the game, and uh, it just took off. Uh, All right, well, set was, the record for us. Set the record straight for us. Was there indeed a homework assignment that was due? Was it already done? Did you get an extension? Uh, there was a homework assignment that was due, and, uh, you know, we worked it out. That's, uh, that's all I'm going to say. He, uh, okay. he, he's a great guy, and I feel bad because a lot of people didn't really understand his sarcasm and his response. But, uh, you know, we figured things out. Well, you took a back seat to a lineman, he said. He, the lineman got his assignment in, right? Uh, no comment on that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh, when you – I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah, he, he well, turned it in. He turned it in. You know, it's funny, Riley. You were poised under pressure in that pocket. You have 300-pound defensive linemen coming after you. We ask you simply about some homework assignments, and you get all flustered, man. Yeah, it's shaking me up, man. I've had to <laughs> respond to this question for days, and I still don't know how to. Well, for the educators listening, what was the paper about? <laughs> it was just about, like, public policy. Um, that's what I'm majoring in, so that, it's a pub ball class, and, uh, yeah, it's just pretty interesting. When you walked into Professor Taylor, I forgot his first name, I apologize, his class, did he, did they clap, or did he say anything when you walked to your your seat or bench or whatever you have there? Yeah, we laughed about it. There's a lot of football guys in the class, so he congratulated all of us, and uh, he's a huge Duke football fan. That's, that's mainly why I, you know, used him in my interview. But, uh, yeah, like I said, great guy, and he congratulated us. He's Riley Leonard. He joins us here on uh, WNSP. All right, so you mentioned Lee mentioned he was probably one of 700 messages on your phone. How many messages do you think you had uh, after that game on your, in your inbox? Um, across all platforms, I'd say it was probably around 700-ish. It was a lot, but yeah. um, I, I, I haven't even logged into social media, really. Uh, so I just respond to, like, personal text messages and things like that. You know, Riley, everybody looks for the perfect game, but in retrospect, could things have gone any better than they did Monday night? Um, to be honest, I, I, if you rewatch the game, I don't even know if we played too great. Uh, offensively, we, we really didn't execute that well in the passing game, and, uh, you know, we, great, we gave up two turnovers um, in pretty critical situations. So... I really think that it could have gone a lot better, to be honest with you. All right. Uh, so I got a bunch of questions. I'll try to get through them all. Uh, what was it like? Uh, the camera caught you after the game. Like, literally, got, people were trying to take selfies with you as you're trying to get off the field. How how cool was that? 
maybe a little intimidating. There's really no place to go. There's just so much going on when those kids got on the field. What, what was kind of going through your mind? Well, there wasn't, my mind was shaking because everybody was slapping me upside the head. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, no, nah, it was crazy because Dukes, I don't even know when the last time we had you know a field rush like that. So it was really cool for everybody to run out there. I mean, my little league coach, uh, Chris, my, my coach from maybe when I was six to like 12 was the first one on the field running out there. So it was just such a cool experience for me and my teammates um, and, and something that we're never going to forget for a long, long time. Did, but did you, could you sense it? I mean, you guys, I mean, you're there on the field before the game's over, and those kids were coming over the wall and were literally on the, uh, in, on the back of the end zone. Like they were just waiting. I'm assuming you and your teammates saw them. You knew what was going to happen, right? Oh, yeah, we knew what was going to happen. We were ready. I, I mean, to be honest, all I could think about was, like, my freshman year and, and having, like, 17 people up in the stands and, yeah. and losing by, you know, 40, 50 every game. You know, to, to that, to where we are now, it's just, you know, kind of surreal. And, it, you know, you have a greater appreciation for winning because, you know, they really are hard to come by. Riley Leonard, our special guest. So, in, you, this week it's Lafayette, correct? Yes, sir. Yeah, and Lafayette's, they're an FCS school. I can imagine that Coach Elko coming off this huge win on Monday, less time to get you guys down to earth for a school that's obviously not in the same league as the uh, Atlanta Coast Conference. What, what's practice been like this? How has he tried to keep your team grounded? He snapped us uh, back into place real, real quick. I mean, he, he didn't play around from the very first meeting we had. Since we got back, he was not going to let us become complacent. I mean, the celebration was over. We didn't have time to really celebrate or anything like that. Um, you know, he's always going to be our biggest critic, and I think that's what helps us, you know, keep a chip on our shoulder. Um, so, we, you know, we practiced really hard this week, watched a lot of film, and, uh, you know, Clemson, you know, a long-lost story at this point. Yeah, but part of you, come on, admit, part of you would be like, Coach, you had to have seen my 44-yard run, though, right? That's how I walked in the building, but then after the first meeting, I left. Like, yeah, he doesn't care. So, so take us through that, though. Take us through that that moment. I mean, there were people talking on the broadcast about it being your Heisman moment, which is a pretty huge statement, I know. But walk us through that play, and, and at what point did you know, man, I, I could go all the way on this one? Yeah, Coach told me uh, before the drive he was going to put the game in my hand. So, you know, we, you know, I think it was like third and three, third and short. And uh, it was a design QB run, so we had a little counter action, and we scored on that play a lot last year. Uh, so we ran it. Um, you know, their will linebacker is a great player. Ended up just, I think I just ended up slipping out of the tackle, and then found myself on my feet. And really, I, I don't remember too much. I don't really think about it, but uh, I do remember Jordan Moore making a big time block down the field. And if he hadn't done that, then I surely would have been tackled. So, you know, hats off to him. And. Uh, yeah, I mean, kind of the rest of history just ran until I got tackled. It's not what I've been doing for a long time. You know I'm not trying to take anything away. I'm just so excited for you and, and the Duke team and what you did. But I agree with you. This wasn't your best game. I've seen you I've seen you in action before. You've had a lot better passing games. And was that more because of your receivers maybe not being on the same page? Or was it the Clemson defensive backs or just what? I think I just take what the defense gives me. I don't think that we are in the situation ever that we needed to just fling the ball down the field the whole game. 
Um, in the second half, we scored on the opening drive. And, uh, you know, we ended up getting up a couple scores after that. So there wasn't any need to throw the ball around and, and create in incomplete passes. We wanted to, you know, just run the clock out. And uh, that's kind of what we did the whole fourth quarter. We ended up executing that, you know, really well. Um, so, I mean, it was just one of those games. Yeah, I mean, we won, so it doesn't it, it doesn't matter. I just play whatever, however I need to to win the football game, and you know, obviously it worked out the way it did on Monday, where I didn't have to throw that much. He's Riley Leonard, the quarterback at Duke, a Fairhope native. You can follow him on Twitter or X or whatever we're calling it at Riley Leonard thirteen underscore. Uh, obviously, we got to tip our hats to, to your defense, Riley. I don't know. You probably couldn't see from where you were sitting, but where we were watching, Dabo looked absolutely miserable. Like y'all just run, kept running over his dog, man. He 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 was he, he there was there was just misery written all over his face all game. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, I, I really think <laughs> Dabo's a great guy, so it was really cool to play against him. And uh, you know, obviously, they, I think they had zero transfers on their team, so you got to give him some respect. He's a man of his word. Um, it was just really cool to play against him. You know, obviously they're a team that's been in the national championship, you know, I don't even know how many times and, and won multiple of them. So, uh, yeah, like I said, it's great to shake his hand after the game. You know, I think we ought to go on record as we started. We talked about the academic issue with you and the, and the fun and, you know, the professor. But in reality, you know, Duke is known for academics. And, Riley, my understanding is you're a very, very good student. So even though you were having fun with this, I think that was kind of overlooked that you're doing pretty well. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd say I really do try uh, very hard in school. And I, I have a good GPA. So um, it's just funny to see. Um, a lot of people kind of see me as the guy that turns into co-work because I'm not sure I've done that since I've been at Duke. As you mentioned, you may have had about 700 congratulatory or Texas. With mine being at the top, who else were ones that really <laughs> stuck out? Um, I mean, it's always great to get a text from Daniel uh, Jones after the game. He's a, he's a huge supporter of this program, honestly, and a, and a huge mentor of mine. So, you know, that was really cool. And then, uh, I, I don't know, I'd say the Mannings. I was able to go to the Manning Passing Academy, so for them to reach out, obviously, people of their caliber, you know, it, it makes you, you know, appreciate where you're at a little bit. So, Shervanian, Jones, Manning, and Manning in that order. That's that's pretty, that's pretty was, impressive company for the Mannings to be in. And that I was just, order, that's right. Yep. I was just curious, did, did uh, Coach Krzyzewski, did he send anything to you? I was just curious about that. Oh, no, that's a good question. I, he hasn't, but, uh, yeah, that'd be really cool. He he probably hit you up on Snap. You just haven't you haven't logged in yet? You haven't, you haven't checked I'm the uh... – I'm sure Coach K does not have a Snapchat. <laughs> so right, that student body – we had Tom Luganville on earlier this week because he almost got stampeded to death. But is that group is, – is that like the Cameron crazies that go to the Duke basketball game, the, the fans that filtered onto the field like that? Yeah, we're a pretty small student body, so everybody you see at the basketball games are the same ones that go to the football games, you know, the soccer games, the lacrosse games. We have a pretty tight-knit community, and everybody kind of travels, you know, game to game. So it's, it's pretty cool what we got going over here. All right, Riley, you know this happens every time we talk. Every time you blow up on social media or there's a game on TV, there's always that segment of the population that had no idea that you played basketball. And so, again, 
as soon as you make your play, your 44-yard run, in real time, people are posting all these basketball highlights from Fairhope, and people are absolutely dumbfounded by the fact that you could ball. But we have somebody in the app, somebody who called in and specifically wanted to ask us to ask you about a game that they will never forget. You were at Baker around 2019, and a bunch of them were chirping at you. Do you remember this game? Uh, I don't know, man. I don't remember much. And, and uh, you basically, they were chirping. You you drained a three, and you, apparently you just, according to reports, I can't confirm this, just stared them down after. Oh, God. I don't think that's something I would do, but uh, if I did it, that's pretty funny. Are you surprised? Are you still surprised this day that the whole basketball thing is such a, uh, a sidebar, like such a huge part of your story? Yeah, I am. I, I to me, it's like I haven't touched the basketball in a long time, and I just kind of forget about it. But I, a lot of people back home see me as the basketball player who plays football now. So I think that's just pretty funny because everybody up here in Durham, you know, a lot of people don't even realize that that's kind of what I was known for back home. Yeah, well, the people down here are right. I mean, I'm one of them. I, I, I think you're the, I think, you're the best basketball player to ever play football ever. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you, <laughs> Riley. I, I still though, and I, I, when I sent that message, I was curious, and obviously we found out, you know, that it doesn't work out. But you would think on a Monday night game like that, knowing that how long it takes to unwind that they'd give you a free pass, that you wouldn't have to go to class the next day. But I guess it's Duke, and that's the way it goes. Yeah, we didn't really ask for one because uh, we kind of knew the standard. And, uh, you know, that's not really going to change because you win a game. Uh, and I think that's good for us because it keeps us humble. So everybody showed up at class, um, you know, with, with no questions asked. So when Duke's basketball team used to win championships, let's say on a Monday night, they'd have to be at class the next Tuesday, even if they were playing somewhere in Indianapolis or the West Coast? I'm not, sure about, West I'm not Coast. sure about the basketball boys, but us football guys are going to be at class. So I, I don't know any of that. All right, Riley, uh, before we let you go, I, I guess you'll have to put your coach speak back on now. All right, so during the broadcast, a lot of talk about Mel Kuyper's big board. Third rated, he's got you as a third rated quarterback in your class, 20th best on the board I, I know we got a lot of football this season left to play but what are your thoughts about the next level and 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 do we do we complete our college eligibility what's the plan here as of right now uh, there isn't one and I don't really pay any attention to that to be honest I don't really like seeing any of that um, yeah. or reading any of it so you know I I've, I've heard that I was on that list but I haven't even like looked at the list myself because I don't want to I think that's really bad or somebody to look at, you know, in the situation I am, because I got a lot of football games that play and a, a lot of, you know, things that I have to prove in order to get there. So uh, I don't really have any comments on that at all. Well, you know, I'm I'm patiently waiting for EA Sports to come out with their new college game, and if you're out of, I mean, if if they're not going to get on it, then we might just have to skip that and go straight to Madden and, and get you on that one. That that would be pretty cool to be on uh, NCAA because that game was so fun growing up. Um, yeah, I, I I saw they're gonna pay players to be on it, but my thing is like, dude, I'll pay you guys to have me on yeah. the game. I'll pay them five hundred bucks to be on the game. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? So uh, absolutely, uh, that'd be pretty cool. 
All right. Well, hey, we appreciate you coming aboard with us, man. Uh, congrats on all the success. I, I know uh, you guys are going to uh, continue to work and grind, and it'll be a lot of fun to watch. I know you got a lot of supporters down here in the Mobile area in Fairhope and Baldwin County as well. So keep being you, and uh, we look forward to doing it again soon. Sounds good. I appreciate you guys. Yep. It's Riley Leonard, ladies and gentlemen. I think we covered it all. I'm thinking, reading between the lines there, I'm thinking if he got an extension, and I'm not saying he did because I don't know. I'm thinking they all did. And if he's, if the, see, here's the problem. If the professor's such a big football fan, dude, check the calendar. Don't be having a paper due the, the midnight, the same night of the game. That's just poor planning on the professor's football art. That's just bad public policy, if you want if you want to know the truth. That should have been what Riley's paper was about. All right, one final segment, closing ceremonies. We'll set the table for the rest of the day. Lee is not done for the day. Oh, no, he's just getting warmed up. It's our Dr. Chris Romanek's high school game day. We're here at Viger High School. Stay with us. Hi, I'm former Major League Baseball player Bernie Carbo. I listen to WNSP 105.5. Love every minute of it. segment of the day and I know you guys have been itching to hear from Mr. Brawner on the big game. I know he's been itching to share his thoughts. We'll get to that here in just a second but I do want to mention Lee you're not done today. Uh, you will be back on the air at noon. Yeah we got a show called Friday Football Preview. We'll be out at uh, Dean White Associates that's at University and Airport and I do have some South Alabama tickets if you would like some uh, to come by I will give them to you plus when we're at Baumhauer's next Monday I will have tickets for the Jags next home game against Central Michigan right so on Monday we're on the road again we're out at Baumhauer's Victory Grill at the shops of Bel Air so come on by and see us the doors generally open around 7 uh, but it's always great to see you guys pop in there uh, and so that's where our Monday morning quarterback will take us uh, next week a reminder about the Alabama game if you're not going we encourage you to Come check out the WNSP Alabama watch party at the Outsider, downtown Mobile. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, you, you'll get yourself a free WNSP T-shirt. They're actually really cool. They're good looking, too, uh, while supplies last. And enter for a chance to win an Alabama football jersey, courtesy of the vault. But come on by and see us at the Outsider. 22 TVs, beer specials, food. There's going to be music during commercials. They're going to have a post-game party. It's going to be a lot of fun. So make sure you check it out. Again, it's the Outsider, downtown Mobile, the WNSP Ultimate Alabama Watch Party. Now, Mr. Bronner, we've already given our picks, sir. How do you see uh, old Alabama-Texas getting after it? Because you were kind of going back and forth earlier this hmm. week. What say you? Well, hey, guys, I miss you. How, how are things over there? They're going well. I mean, you tell us, man. We're having a great time over here. Yeah, you tell us how we it didn't went. Even, we didn't even know you weren't here, man. Oh, well, that's nice to hear. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I flip flop back and forth on this. I'll go. I'll. I'll go with a final prediction. Bama covers the spread and wins by about two touchdowns. Uh, they are the better team, and it is at home. Nick Saban's lost eight times in Bryant Denny Stadium in his career at Alabama. You know, we're gonna we're gonna get it done. I I do now like your the score. 
your score was what I think yesterday, thirty-one seventeen. You sticking with that? Yeah, sure. Why not? I, I, how about the uh, how about the defense steps up and and limits the Texas offense? I like to call this a uh, high ceiling, low floor kind of weekend with the NFL kicking off as well, because like you know, there's the potential for both an Alabama and a Patriots loss this weekend, which makes for a a rough Monday morning for me. Uh, but it's also, you know, there's also a high ceiling there. I could be on cloud nine all week. Uh, so, you know, but low, 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 low floor I think as well. you have a much better chance with Alabama winning than the Patriots beating the Eagles. Oh, uh, the Patriots, would you agree with Patriots that? Are, well, yes, but the Patriots are going to beat the Eagles on Sunday. So uh, mark my words on that one. Uh, but I would say I have a better chance of both losing than both winning. So... Ooh, pessimistic. Yeah. Well, really. You know, I'd be happy to be proven wrong on that one. By the way, good luck on your game tonight. Thank uh, you. Michael will be on the broadcast. St. Paul, Sarah Land, Greer's game of the week. Our broadcast for Alabama football tomorrow, three o'clock, on WZEW, three-hour uh, pregame show, and. I'm Mark, I'm kind of looking forward to watching. I have hardly ever watched game day because I've always been working. And with Namath there and the uh, tribute they have to Eli Gold, kind of looking forward to it. Yeah, it, I mean, they do as good a job as anybody. So, yeah, I think it's going uh, to be a lot of fun. I think the game is going to be outstanding. I can't wait to watch Auburn and Cal. Uh, I think that was going to be up and down the field. I think Auburn's going to get one there. Uh, and then the Ole Miss-Tulane game away from uh, kind of our local teams, I think that's the one that's really going to have a chance to really show some fireworks. That's going to be two offenses. It's going to be a track meet. It's going to be a lot of fun. I think it's pretty obvious what we're going to be doing Monday, recapping Alabama, Auburn, Saints, Jags. I have gotten a text that Tyler Watts is going to be on our show on Monday. How about that? All right. And Kane Womack is also scheduled to join us. Well, maybe Kane just come on, stop on by. Would you guys well, like a I quick uh, update on the standings for staff picks? Because we got two of the three people on this morning show sitting at one and four, if, you, if you're curious. Uh, I think I know how people. this is going, but go ahead. If, you, if you'd like to share that information, Well, you being a team player and all. <laughs> Mark Hyman, Lee Shervanian sit at one and four. Nick Wiggins sits at one and four. Corey Labounty sits at two and three. Michael Bronner sits at three and two after one week. What is this for now? Those uh, picks that he has us randomly doing. I mean hurt. those dumb picks we do without the point spread that anybody nobody cares Don't, about. If you're one you're and four, you can't be telling people that it's not against the point spread. Not against the points. Not against the point spread, and you still went one and four last week. All right. All right, you Just can, give him this. No, no. You can beg all you want now, Michael, after that, but you will not be getting any more picks from me. Woo I'll tell you right it now. It just got real. Yep. Oh, snap. I'm going to make up your picks then. Go could, ahead. Well, it couldn't be any worse than what the record holds now. You're True. one in four. <laughs> All right, that does it for another week. want to thank all the fine folks out here at Viger. It's been a lot of fun. Next week, the Dr. Chris Monix High School Game Day takes us to Spanish Forks. That does it for Bronner back at the studios, Triple G in the bus, Lee Trevanian, I'm Mark Heim. Until Monday at 6, see ya!